Welcome to the Global Party Podcast, Healing from the Inside Out. I'm Jacqueline Best, creator of Best Whole New World, where joy, health, peace, love, and wealth are just present. It's a natural vibe. I'll be interviewing essential people with essential stories from all around the world, where we will share triumphs over tragedies, recognizing that everything is within you. If you are ready, open and receive and allow the healing vibe to be. Live. We are here live. It is showtime with the Global Party Healing from the Inside Out. And look at that beautiful smile. I look so good. I look so good on that side. Because <laughs> we are two halves of the whole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Black and white and male and female. And we That's all come it. together as one. We so- come together. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, I didn't have your song kicked off. Listen, that was the song. Oh, well, we got so there's this. Do you want to tell us about why you picked that song? Well, so it's a song by Lyra. And it's called Listen. And I chose it because many reasons, but a, a few is this idea that sometimes it's part of the human experience. We're often looking for something to help us feel happy, fulfilled, healed, experience a miracle. And there's a line in there that says, um, listen, life is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? And because of our own whatever, we don't always listen to what life is bringing us. So for me, it's a good reminder. It's like, listen, every moment is telling us something, it's teaching us something, it's showing us something. And then sometimes we can be so resistant to what life yeah. is showing us because listening to it, taking it in and accepting it could mean we have to change ourselves fundamentally. We have to be somebody else that we're not even used to being. So we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of it, but that's not it. So it's that reminder to listen to life and life is always listening, always communicating with us. Well, let's see if this comes through at all a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. And while you do that, I try and post this on my wall. Yes. I can hear it. Can you hear it? It's low. I can, but it's quite low. That's better. That's better. I can hear it. Yes. That is like what we need to do is we really need to listen. Right? Yes. And so I'm all I'm all ears today to listen (laughs) to what's coming through you that you want to exude out into the world about your experiences in this existence that we call life. Yeah, there's so much going on, isn't it? I'm I just posted this on my wall too, and I I can multitask. I'm one of a few men who can multitask. Ooh, I, I like that in a man. 
so, and, and, and your life has sort of been like that too, right? Because you were born yeah. in the UK, you grew up in Nigeria, and you spent a large part of your life like in the United States. That's it. Well, actually, well, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, just time. Yeah, I was born here, so in here, being the United Kingdom, and moved back to Nigeria with my parents mm-hmm. um, when I was four. So much for I can multitask. You know, when you're talking and typing, you end up typing what you're talking, yeah. you end up typing what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do hashtag global, global plot, go, global go. party. I did global Nigeria. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. That's not what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Sounds yeah. good. Okay. I'm present now. So yeah, uh, at the age of four, my parents moved back to Nigeria and I went with them. And the f- interesting thing about that is, um, while I was in UK, I had a nanny, a white nanny. So I called her my Hastings mother because I was listening, li- living in Hastings mm-hmm. and my biological mother was living in London. So my biological mother was my London mother. So I came into the world literally from an early stage to have the what we call white and black. We're not black, we're not white, but right. that's the color we're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so living in those two worlds and then moving back to Nigeria, um, which is interesting because that's my roots, that's my heritage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like I've always, I, I, I've always said that my one of the main themes of my life is, if I have to use one word, it's different. Because in Hastings, <laughs> right, <laughs> in Hastings, there wasn't a lot, well, hardly back then, um, it, there wasn't a lot of black people. Right. So I definitely stood out. So even though I spoke the language, I was speaking English, I had the accent. Yes. I still stood out and that mm-hmm. brought what it brought. When I moved back to Nigeria, moved with my parents to Nigeria, which is my heritage, my roots, my culture, I am around people 24 hours a day that look like me, mm-hmm. but I talk differently. Right. You know, and then after 18 years, almost 18 years, came back to UK and feeling like, well, I'm a British citizen, but yet I talk differently. <laughs> so I had the Nigerian accent, which right. was often made fun of. And at that time, I didn't like being made fun of. I still have mm-hmm. moments where I don't like being made fun of. And I say that because you can't help it, but you know, I try right. to avoid it if I can. Yeah. Um, and I made it a point to work on my accent mm-hmm. because I didn't like Robert who's always going to be forever part of my life experience is a white boy that we went to college together and he would just pick on me. He would just pick pick on me for just any and everything. He would pick on me for how I speak. And in a way, I never thought of it that what I'm about to say before, but just kind of, it's almost like he felt superior and it could have, but I'm just kind of sensing that, that he felt right. like he was better than me. Right. And, and it's kind of hitting me because he is white and we're thinking white supremacy. It's like, hmm, right. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember one day I'd, I'd had enough and I just thinking of ways to get back to him, to just get back, to shut him up. And it just hit me. I said, oh, wait, I speak English. I speak Yoruba and he only speaks English. Right. I said, next time he comes at me, that's what I'm going to tell him. It's like, you only speak one language. I speak two. The day came when I had to tell him I was ready. And, <laughs> and he came up with some foolishness. I was ready. I was like, bring it. And I said, no, Robert, you speak English. You may make fun of my accent, but I speak English 
and I speak Yoruba. He said, no, Addy, you speak Nigerian English. I was like, this bastard. <laughs> I felt like, I felt deflated because I felt right. like, oh, I have it now. Right. Yeah. But it was one of those things again. And now as I even think about it, this, you know, when we decide to go back and forth with someone, especially if we're trying to attack mm -hmm. rather than educate, chances are my attack is going to lead to another attack. And it just keeps going back and forth like war. Mm -hmm. Everybody always thinks, I don't know, we're just being defensive, you know. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to stop them from come over to our side or start anything. So we're trying to take them out. And, you know, everybody's always saying it's me. I'm trying to protect my own. But in the meantime, lives are being taken. Hearts are being broken. Um, you know, depression sets in, PTSD sets in. And there's this deep wounding that keeps happening, gets passed on from generation to generation. And so, you know, I worked through all that. I made a point to work on my accent. And then I got feedback from people that, oh, my God, you sound different. And I felt like, yeah, I did it. Because <laughs> I saw some of the guys I went to college with, they saw me like a year later. It's like, oh, Addy, Addy, oh, my God, you sound different. I was like, yep, I did it. Right. But the thing is, whenever we are trying to make ourselves be something, for mm -hmm. somebody else, right? you don't have to keep doing that, you know? And eventually yeah. there's a longer story to my trip to America, even here in the UK, but in getting to America, I felt different again because mm -hmm. yes, I am black, but I, I, I don't sound like an African-American mm -hmm. and people are like, hey, you're from England. Oh my God, why did you come over here? Why right. would you come over here? I'm like, yeah. uh, why wouldn't I come over here? Right. I never really thought anything, no big deal about UK. For me, UK was just a place that I was born and and I had the privilege of being a UK citizen because we live in a world where, you know, if you're American or British, English, yeah, you got some clout. Mm -hmm. so I sort of had that working for me. But UK was never been somewhere that I kind of like would hold a flag. I mean, I'm not a flag kind of person, don't matter. I won't hold it. Right. I, I won't hold a flag for Nigeria unless it just happens to be, but I'm not, not those type of people. That's more common in America. Anyway, I don't necessarily will be holding a flag for UK or America because they're just cloth for me. I know they mean things to other people. But they, I, 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 I'll hold the flag of humanity right. in a heartbeat. So in getting to America, feeling different and trying to fit in and really loving the experience as well, because it was like when I came to UK in 86, I was feeling like this is my opportunity to be independent because in Nigeria, I described my parents as being overprotective. So there was a lot of things that I would like to do that I just felt like my mom or mostly my mom would be like, no, you can't do that. Or my dad would say, go ask your mom. No, you're not old enough. And I used to be mad. And you know, in UK, I hear, and I still see sometimes young people, the way they talk to their parents. And I'm like, what did you just right. talk to your parents like that? Growing up in Nigeria, you, I mean, I've heard yeah. young people tell their parents, mom, shut up. Right. What? We, <laughs> in, <laughs> when I was growing up in Nigeria, I knew I couldn't say those kind of words to my parents. Mm -hmm. And I knew that 
even thinking, not that I didn't, right. but thinking those words got me in trouble. Right. I used to remember, I'd be mumbling <laughs> because I want, I want to say it out loud, but I can't. And my mom was like, are you talking to me? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God she allowed me to lie <laughs> because I certainly was talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you know that that one right there is a pretty good one because Melody was talking about the fact that she could read people on white people's faces. You know what they're really saying beyond yes. what they're like. Oh, she's like, yes. am I going to waste my time educating you? Is there hope for you or not? Right? And I think what you just said about lying, I sort of grew up that way too. That white lies—that's what my mom used to call them. Mm -hmm. White lies were okay. Yes. And I feel like that's something that's being healed in the whole entire world. The lies we've been telling ourselves or the the things that we've stopped ourselves from ever expressing yeah. as truth, because it's okay to admit, you know what, I disagree with what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of lies that's been told and has been made into facts. Yeah. A lot of lies have been made into statue. There's a lot of lies that's been written in books. Yeah. There's a lot of lies that are taught in schools mm -hmm. because of a sense of insecurity. Yeah. Because of this need, desire to feel like you're superior because you feel in inferior. There is no need for me to want to feel superior to somebody unless I'm feeling a sense of inferiority. So, and, and, and that, that, that mindset, we can call it, gave birth to white supremacy. Yeah. And we are all, we are, we are all, uh, you know, to some extent, we've all benefited from it. And at the same time, we've all been casualties of it. And there are, there are those of us, black people, who have been almost the number one casualty of it. Oh, yeah. And then when you try to even explain it, those that benefited from it, white people, generalizing, mm -hmm. yep. talk about victim mentality, and which makes you just want to put... <laughs> <laughs> like... Once I punch you right between your neck and whatever this place is called, <laughs> it's you're going to complain. Yes. And anybody who wants to say I'm advocating violence, that's on you. Um, then if you complain about me punching you in the neck, then you are being a victim. It's victim mentality. Yeah. But people have been punching in the neck. Um, they've been kneeling on black people's neck. Mm -hmm. But then when you say, I can't breathe, they say you're playing a victim right. because you've been conditioned to accept that, oh, yeah, it's okay for a white man to treat a, a, a black person, probably right. not even called a man. So me Can I ask you on that one? Because I think that's a very, very good point, right? Mm -hmm. It's that you as a black man and part of the black culture have been conditioned in a sense to say you are going to be treated inappropriately and disrespectfully. And there are certain conditions that you just have to live with because it's the white man's world. I mean, I only had a little bit about that being a female 
you know, going, well, it's a man's business world, right? So you're a female, you know, but there is a sense of where you use the analogy of the white tree of supremacy the other day, which I loved. Because to me, it's like, which tree do you want to eat from? Right back to the Garden of Eden. And this is what 2020 is about, is where does your power really come from? Who are you really? Yes. And so although this white tree grew, and as you say, that might have had some fruits that benefited people in some ways, right? It also had rotten fruits everywhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so it's like, we're just pruning it all back. Anything that's good will keep, but for the large part of the systems and structures in the world are falling apart because everybody's been saying for a long time, well, a lot of us have been saying for a long time, this doesn't make sense how the world is working, how we how we judge people by our skin or by the way we look or the way we talk or what country we're from. Yeah, it, it is it is um, real deep. I mean, I've been having some really <clears throat> interesting personal experience that when I just sit with it and reflect and some friends that I know what people are going through and growing through and my own individual experience, it's like, I'm actually at a point, you know, I ha- you know, sometimes where a question, a thought, an idea just bubbles up. Mm-hmm. And I'm being with what I'm about to say. It's like, I don't know if white people can really understand the pain of black people. You know, it's like, I don't know because, and, and, and then what I also want to do is because it's so easy sometimes to say black people and white people, but I think it's necessary to sort of look at white supremacy through the lens of America and African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Black people who were born in America, whose grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-grandparents, you know, was born in America, mm-hmm. that were looking for shelter and they had to stand under this white supremacy tree. Mm-hmm. They had to look for shelter under that tree to feel safe. Like black people in the UK, most of us still have connection to our culture, our heritage. Mm -hmm. In America, the heritage of culture is in America. Home is America, but America's saying you don't belong here. You're less than human. In fact, you don't even have rights. It's in the constitution. You don't even have rights. You can't sue. You, you, you're not supposed to be a citizen of this country. So the foundation of the constitution was built on white supremacy. So if America is a house, right. the foundation that's holding up is white supremacy. So when you look at how African-Americans have been treated and still being treated, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And sometimes I feel like I understand why some white people can't even look. And why some black people can't even look. Because it, it, it's like, there's some experiences. We, we were sharing before we went live, where I had a transition in a family. Mm-hmm. And how that rearranges us. When, when someone dies, it changes a lot of things. Right. We don't even know what we're going to feel. And some white people, I believe the reason they, they don't want to listen, they don't want to admit, they don't want to look, it's because something in them knows if they really see the truth about what's going on, they're just so afraid that they're gonna, they're just gonna lose it. So well, in the name well, of sanity, they'll they'll put out BS. Well, they are gonna lose it, right? Because the systems of the world have been created around it, right? So yes. 
that it's like we started out with with the wild card, you know, of COVID. Um, that I feel was almost necessary for humanity to start to see some people hmm. as essential. Yes. I, I just that still makes me laugh. I'm like, ooh, wake up! Wow, that's great, you know. Hmm. Um, and the stories, you know, there's always this sort of um, I'm going to call it the media machine, you know, that wants to mold everybody and tell them that this is the experience and we're all like one big sheep, right? To me, that's the white archaic machine mm -hmm. that wants to say, okay, so now everybody start to think about your neighbors and start to be connected and take that time. And it's like, well, Addie, have you been doing that for 25 years now mm -hmm. or more, right? Have, mm -hmm. you know, but those of us that were, took that step back and have done things that were alternative from the, this, Yes. have been judged differently mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and from my perspective i love to use technology right is the internet you can have your own facebook page you can have your own podcast you can have every different unique social media account you have mm -hmm. but yet as a person each of us are still thinking we have to be something for someone else mm -hmm. instead of just being our unique Selves mm. and loved and appreciated yeah. for that. So that whole system of what people <clears throat> identify with, that the economic system, right? You know, if you're still depending on somebody else to give you income, well, holy moly, inside I think you're going, oh crap, crap that's falling apart, mm. right? If you're if you're still thinking something out there is going to get you for health or that you have to you know like you're fearful of yeah. your own well-being and dying well you know what you got you are you're dying to your ego and all the labels and the generational like it's death all over yes, but the yeah. breakdown is going to lead to the breakthrough and so they are scared the friggin death because mm -hmm. they're going to lose all the things that they've held tightly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. You know, I just, I also just feel like I need to share when I was in North Carolina last year, um, there were, this was the only, the first time that I really saw it in a black man's eyes. I was being my effervescent self in the supermarket and there were two gentlemen talking and I just wanted to jump in and tell them a joke because they were talking about relationships. And I don't know if I even, you know, slapped them on the shoulder like I tend to do, you know, because I just, you know, um, <laughs> And I was like, hey, and and they looked at me terrified. Like, mm -hmm. it was like, I'd never seen that look before. Mm -hmm. And I had to like go and wait for the thought to drop. And, I, and my response was, I'm Canadian. <laughs> that was... You put, yeah. you put your Canadian card. <laughs> I was just like, they, they and, and they went, oh, like, and I had no idea all the stuff that they had perceived and they had thought about white women, Southern bells, you know, people started to school me on this afterwards, mm -hmm. but their perception of who I was, was I was a somehow a threat or one, you know, like, I mean, I was a wild card. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I just remembered, oh, like I felt so sorry that I put mm -hmm. them in that space where they felt somehow threatened in that moment, mm -hmm. you know, like, but, you know, and I think those are things too that we have to be conscious of with other people. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> yes, you know, and I think sometimes 
<laughs> so many thoughts are going on in my head. Sometimes we don't know when we're going to mess up. And I'm just putting that nicely. <laughs> I could put it another way. We don't know when we're going to mess up. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's the thing too, is the intellectual way of being, not wanting to mess up, always trying to do it right and not knowing, and I'm doing this, which is more the Western way. The white way is very intellectual. Mm -hmm. You know, people right. of color, black people, will bring a sort of soulful essence to life. The part that just, that's what we represent. We represent aliveness. That's it. But we forget that we need both as well as a human being. If you're just intellectual, then, you know, see where, how far that takes you. If you're just all up in the heart and you're not connecting with the mind, you can't really access wisdom. But I think, again, it's like that that white supremacy tree, It's the, 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 the fertilizer is fear. Pretend like you know everything. Act like you're better. Know that you're better. If you're white, you're the best fertilizer. Um, if you're of another color, it doesn't matter if it's a drop. If you have a black mother or father, then you're not the best fertilizer. In fact, you're a weed to this tree. Yeah. So we all need to just chill the flip out. And especially intention is important. Mm -hmm. Intention is important. Where if we if it's about engaging and learning and growing, part of that is be willing to make a mistake. Be willing to not know, but the head way, the intellectual way we're being taught is always come across as if, yes, I know that. And, and if you don't know, you could be talking to somebody and quickly Google it and read <laughs> as you talk and act like you're intel intelligent. It's like, you know, I'm finding myself, I write daily thoughts, a monthly inspirational that I share on my Facebook page and other social media platforms. Like when I'm writing, writing, I sometimes I hear a word that I use every day. And then I'm thinking, what does that word really mean? Right. And then I'll go Google it. So it's for me, it's like this process of writing is teaching me. I'm relearning. Mm -hmm. And we got to be willing to make a mistake. We got to be willing to not get it right. And some people may not have the patience to allow you to make the mistake. It's all part of it. It's all part of being human. And until we're willing to be human, let me just say it this way. We must be willing to be human, to experience true happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction. Well, I'm just letting that sit in the air for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on, wait, 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 don't like, say nothing yet. Like, yeah, just, just feel it, everybody. Just feel that. Like... Do you remember when you were a child? Some things. <laughs> Did you know anything? Like I always, like a child doesn't wake up and say, I need to know these things. A child is is being. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. I mean, one of my friends shared with me how when she was eight, she, she got the conversation from her parents, I need to tell you about your heritage, right? And all of a sudden she realized, ooh, she's different. She didn't. She, she's gotta be black. 
Yeah. I don't hear why people talk about that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. And, and, and so, you know, one of my other friends said, well, imagine if parents stopped talking to their children about the past, we could maybe change a whole generation mm-hmm. just like that. Right. You know, because we only have the now. And if we look at children, they don't get up and do yoga and they don't mm-hmm. do their hour meditation. Right. Right. They're in the experience. So if the experience is so-called making mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, like we like to say, or failing forward, you know, these mm-hmm. these lingos that we give the mm-hmm. adult to say it's okay, you yeah. know, you can you can still mm-hmm. show up eating. <laughs> Right, exactly. Oops, <laughs> it's showtime. Come as you are, right? <laughs> it's showtime. Come as you are. No, not while I'm eating my breakfast before an interview. <laughs> I don't want to come like that. <laughs> oh, glad. I'm glad we're not recording. We're not live. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> but I said it's showtime. Come as you are. And I couldn't even come as I am. It's like, <laughs> okay, here it is. Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> the jokes on me. <laughs> so, what do you want the topic to be? Yeah, showtime, come as you are. But no, I'm not ready. But well, you got to be ready to come as you are because I'm teaching you how. Anyway, <laughs> but but that's the idea, right? Like if we just if we just get rid of all these rules of mm-hmm. of what it's supposed to be, and yeah. we're just being. There can be joy in the experience of the breakdown. You know, like when you fall in the mud and you land, like yesterday, the tide was out and and I was like, I was in the middle of a sandbar and I was spread eagled, you know, lying down in there. And I thought, you know, once upon a time, I couldn't do this because people would be like, what is she doing in the middle of the ocean? I was like, I need this. This feels so good, you know? And, and, and that's, I feel like I've had to let go of a lot of things to get there, mm-hmm. right? I've had to feel like I'm just the, well, I mean, you know, just looped um, <laughs> from other people's perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. I've finally come to peace that it's okay. I can be a butterfly and be okay with people, caterpillars are transitioning in the transformation because that's where they're at. And I love them just where they are, even though they don't understand how I can just be. That's it. But what if that's all we're here to do is just really be instead of thinking we have to know everything. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm going to kind of, I'll say it's a rhetorical question, but that question, <laughs> the whole idea of being. And one thing I've, I've had to unlearn and keep unlearning is learning from learning how my mind has been colonized. Oh, yeah. So this conversation about the past, and I do understand it, but there's another aspect to where we say, you got to forget, you got to leave your past in the past. But the past makes us who we are. It is the story we tell about the past. It's like telling a tree, forget your past. Don't worry about your past. So basically we're telling a tree to forget about its roots. Don't think about your trunk. Just think of the new flowers that are coming out. Right. Now. And I was like, I'm not a tree then. But what happens is, first of all, we look at the past as we often focus on 
I'm going to take this out and see because it's kind of distracting me. Right, right. <laughs> yep, um, yeah. We look at the past as something we we found a lot of things that we're uncomfortable with in the past. So right, when we are right. saying forget the past, we're literally saying forgetting the things that happened in the past that's blocking you from moving forward. What I would like to start people to do is like, look at your past. Right. Look at the true story, how you got here. Like, you know, you hear some of the whatever i say white people the white people are saying why are you bringing down the statue why are you bringing down taking down the confederate flag that's our history okay great and i actually do feel like yeah we can have it up in history but you can't tell just a part of history the history of oppression injustice enslavement to then use that to prove this is what my ancestors did but no your ancestors some of them were rapists some of them were murderers. Tell the whole story. So in looking at the past, we can look at, we can talk about our heritage. We can talk about where we came from. We can talk about our roots and we can tell the truth based on how we see it. And we tell the young people, it's like life is constantly evolving and revolving mm -hmm. and you got to listen. Though it was like that in the past and you may um, repeat some of the things that is happening, or you may even find another way to relate to people or do things differently. But that's part of what is in your DNA. Some of the people who are who refuse to just shut the hell up when they see Black Lives Matter is because in their DNA, in their cell memory, it's information that was passed to them from their ancestors. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they don't even know why they're rebelling. Right. Black people who are against this oppression, we are responding to things that our ancestors have gone through that has got to be a better way. So we're dealing with memory and wisdom from the past that live in us. And mm -hmm. the truth is, as human beings, period, there are things that our ancestors have done that we can all say, ooh, yeah. I have stories in my lineage where, um, which when I first heard it was like heartbreaking. Like I think on my father's side, it may be, I think it was my grandfather. No, not my great, my great grandfather. He moved out, moved from the village that he grew up in because they were practicing the Nigerian, the Yoruba traditional spirituality you know, the, the religion, but it's more spirituality where there's reverence for nature, mm -hmm. understanding that God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. The God is the master scientist, mathematician, and the, and, and, and the artist. But because that religion, that tradition, that spirituality, that way of being, you know, sometimes when I say spirituality or religion, it's like, uh, that's kind of put in it again in that colonized mind. Right. It was a way of being. It was a way of being with oneself, being in nature, knowing that we're connected to everything. But because it was demonized in my lineage, there were family members who felt they needed to move away from them, become be part of the um, Muslim religion, mm. you know? And I wonder, and it took me a while to kind of make the U-turn, if you will. I still have something sometimes about the that tradition. I'm like, ooh. In America, I have people coming to me saying, oh, I practice Ifa. And I'm like, uh, no, we don't practice Ifa because I grew up learning that it was evil. 
and it's still that and people did misuse power people misuse power be it religious religious power spiritual power it's human nature we're so anyway we are what we are but my point is those things live in us and the more that i've educated myself learned from great African teachers, spiritual teachers, mystics, and people who grew up in America and learning about my own heritage. It's like, wait a minute. I think I had it all wrong. So there was a past I was trying to keep away, but the more I was willing to learn and grow and know myself, it's like, oh, there's a part of my heritage I can bring with me. So then I can be with you differently. So my beingness, I don't have to be frazzled with someone who said, oh, if our tradition is evil and Christianity is the only way, I may have some trigger. And I, right. I right now, if that happens, I will. But I can still find that place of beingness and remember the history. And I know that I'm still part of the story that's been told. I think that's, I think that's an, an excellent, excellent explanation. explanation. And, I, and I, I'm going to ask your thoughts on, see, when I say let go of the history, right? If we, if a generation was changed, it's maybe it's the attachment and the emotional, like the things that we hold on to as that this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. My experience has been, I can look back at my life, but my story of all my so-called traumas has shifted. Mm -hmm because I've healed the emotional experience and, and reframed it, right? Yeah. For, for me, it never made sense. For instance, when people in Canada go, you know, um, it's the Aboriginals, you know, it's the First Nations people. And they're like, well, we discovered the island, you know, <laughs> or Prince, it's like, uh, no, <laughs> you, you colonized, you took over, you, you know, basically a United Kingdom has all the Commonwealth because they made everybody. They went to other countries and loot yeah, lawlessly. Loot, yeah, looted <laughs> lawlessly, told them yeah. they were less than, all in the name of Christian, you know, whatever. And, and so it, to me, that fundamentally is just like mind blowing that that could occur. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also remember, and when you talk about different perspectives, is sitting at my kitchen table and I was, I used to host um, international students from China. And one yeah. of the young ladies said to me, she goes, well, Canada started because you all wanted to get away from the 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 murders of from the Catholic Church. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, well, you guys all fled, you know, you left England because you didn't want to get killed by the Catholics. And I was like, that's how Canada was discovered. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, you know, it's a story I hadn't heard before, right? It's not in my history books. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the history she was told in China. Mm. And again, it, it gave me that opportunity, like, well, was it in sense true? Yeah, there were people that, that fleed in, in the nens of the potato, you know, like for different reasons, but one of them was, you know, murder. Mm -hmm. Religion has been about murdering in the name of- God. God, which it just screws people right, left and center, right? So knowing that and embracing all these things that we went through as, is to recognize the roots, right? Um, Nasuko is actually going to talk about. I think she says the the tree can't grow to heaven unless the roots go to hell. 
And so it's like we're pruning. Maybe that's a better way to say we're pruning around so the growth keep continues, but we're getting rid of the spoiled rotten. Yeah, yeah. And now here's the thing, because we talked about the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one that we pull from a lot. That's good, that's evil. That's good, that's evil. But when we start to fist nourish yourself from the tree of knowledge, that's the tree of wisdom, the tree of life. It's a different conversation. The, the fact that as human beings, we have the need. I mean, hell can be just what, it could just be a word. Mm-hmm. But what we have been taught about hell is this place that people will be sent to if you're not Christian, if you're Christians and don't do the right thing, that God is so unconditional will send you to. And because he loves you so much and you didn't listen to him and he gave you free will, he's going to put you in this place. So that's a place nobody wants to go. So we make that bad. So we want to keep picking and choosing what is good. No, I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Why are we even talking about race? Slavery is in the past. Why are we talking about it now? We talk about the Holocaust. We say never forget. We talk about 9-11, never forget. Well, slavery is in the past. So we want to pick and choose, but it takes work, which is painful, is messy to do the digging that is necessary. To ask oneself, what does it mean? What is my what does my life represent? The beliefs that I have, are they are they mine or they're somebody else's? So whether we do the work with a shaman, with a guru, with a therapist, with a counselor, with a life coach, with a minister, whatever, but the 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 invitation to really know who we are. And the other aspect of that is even got into how I see it, if people are not willing to do that work and I see that they're not doing the work based on how I think they should be doing the work, they still give me perspective on how I am and where I am or how I see the world. So the invitation is for us to spend more time feasting on the tree of life so we can see how life is expressing even in the worst of worst, but we don't want to do that. So just to reiterate, you are saying as you notice other people's perceptions of what they're perceiving, that gives you a point of reference too, because you're always going back from the tree of life is what I'm hearing you to say, to say, mm-hmm. what do I need to come to terms and peace with, right? It's like, it, it, it's like Melody was talking about self-healing, right? Self-love healing is, I always say when one finger points out there, three are pointing back at me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So if I'm triggered or I'm reacting, it's my thing. And it's okay to get angry and have an emotion. You know, it's okay to say enough, shoot, draw a boundary in however way you need to do it. But ultimately, as each of us does our own inner work, however we do it, we are affecting the whole. Is that really what you're saying? We are affecting the whole and we are in relationship to the whole. And when I am triggered by somebody, yes, there might be some things they need. They need to clean their shift up. They need some things they need to clean up. But ultimately, what is important for me is like, who do I want to be in relationship to this person, to this thing, to this leader, to this country? Because um, like one of the things, and I know we're wrapping up, <laughs> like we said, we can go on for days. Right, right. But one of the things in coming back to UK um, and I've jokingly sometimes say I came back 
was some kind of resistance. Yeah, there was a part of it that was resistant because I was forced back and I wasn't trying to come back. Mm -hmm. um, but the one of the gifts of being back in the UK is I am, I am having the opportunity to hmm, honor this land, this land that I was born in because the relationship I had with it before was like, whatever. It's only UK, but this is where I was born. Mm -hmm. So for my own sanity, my own salvation, my own mental well-being, because I cannot judge another or something without it affecting me because I am the generator generating the judgment. So I'm having to fall in love with this country, see the gift of it. And it's still ongoing. And as I, you know, write about my life, writing a memoir, about my journey as a Nigerian heritage man, boy born in UK and now a man that lived in UK and feels more at home in America and the way America is, it's like integrating all of that. We really get to know ourselves in relationship. You know, someone who might talk about current situation, you know, in order to kind of say, well, I'm a non-racist, anti-racist, it's because you compare who you're being against, to, against somebody else, which is fine. There is no judgment because if you want to know something is clean, you have to know what dirty looks like. If you don't know what dirty looks like and you don't know why you're getting sick, you're like, I keep eating out this dish. I'm eating healthy food, but you're not washing the dish. You're like, but I keep getting sick. But when you realize that the food on the plate needs to be cleaned because it's infected, you can make different choices. So in life, is always there's always an opportunity to learn. And for me, I feel like, you know, in this particular area, as we get ready to wrap up, is black people, African Americans, indigenous people, people of color, it is hell right now. And and now, and I said on one call I was on yesterday, and my white brothers and sisters. If you cannot relate or don't even know, just please shut up and listen. Just shut up and listen. If you're triggered, that's for you. That's something for you to deal with. Because you could be so judgmental of another that you don't know how you're going to encounter them. It could be the young boy that you called a gang member, no good, nothing. One day will be your um, what part of your family because somehow they met your cousin and now they're in a relationship and it's a family. You get to eat your own words. There's so much more to more, more than supremacy, um, capitalism and materialism. Mm -hmm. And it's crumbling. It's crumbling. I, I just want to finish on, on this, you know, that people can reach out to you to help them, you know, if they need help through uh, any situation, healing mindset. I actually would love, you know, to get, grab a conversation with you and Melody and do a, a you know, the, a, do a trio here. Um, but I heard this the other day and it resonated with me, the difference between prejudice and racism, right? Because some people feel like I've heard white people say, well, I've experienced racism. And and it's like, no, because you're white, you've never experienced racism. Mm -hmm. You may have experienced prejudice. Yes. Okay, and prejudice could be because I'm a female in a mm -hmm. male's world, but it's not race. I've never mm -hmm. been judged 
because of the color of my skin. Even when I was in the midst of, you know, I remember the first morning that I woke, walked in Nairobi, you know, as you say, like, I, I always felt that the hearts were open in, in my experience in Southern and Eastern Africa. I haven't been to Nigeria. Um, but I feel that same, it was that love. And so even though I was walking the main street and I was like, the, I'm looking around and I'm like, hey, Craig, you and I are the only white people here. I, I never, I was like, this is cool. Like I, there was never this sense that I was ever threatened. It was just like I was in community. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was my life transformation moment back in 1991 as I traveled. It just felt like there's so much love and connection here. And, and it seems like they have nothing materially. Hmm. Yet back in the world that I grew up in, that white, archaic, systematic world that has racism, racism that judges everything, was disgruntled and, and stressed and, and judgmental and all that shit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. the roots, if one thing, in a sense, have always been the love that and the connection and the community and the songs and the traditions of who black people have really been in the essence. And white people have been so afraid to look and look at that because they've been so much in their head. Yeah, and in the head, you can't forgive. Black people, indigenous people, people of color, they're most forgiving people. Yeah. And usually it's people who've suffered the most that their heart is wide open. If you're living in your head and everything is based on where well, it's not in the book, it hasn't been scientifically pro proven, then it's not true. And when it's like, what are you talking about? And it, what people don't understand, I, <laughs> I know we ended, but what people don't understand, <laughs> are we just <laughs> I'm just telling myself, right, right, exactly. <laughs> there are some people under the illusion that it's, it's white supremacy only hurts the oppressed. It hurts the oppressor too. And there are lots of white people who are suffering right now, but because they're in their head, they can't even feel the pain. Oh, yeah. But they don't understand why they're uncomfortable because they need to drop down to the heart and yeah. feel. And feel. <sighs> yes. Thank you. See you soon. You. Love you too. <laughs> Let the party begin. <laughs>